Hi, everybody. My name is Trinity French, and I'm one half of the amazing coaching duo Wired to Change with the number two. As your business coaches, we help you get your business to the level you want so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. We are back, round two, with Mr. Brian Smith. We had an awesome conversation about, wow, what didn't we touch on? We talked about mentorship. We talked about money. We talked about mindset about money. We talked about what it takes to have a good mindset about being successful. And it was a lot of fun. So Brian. That was fun. (laughs) Tell me, because as a business coach, I'm always curious, what is your, you know, pride and joy largest achievement that you've done so far? You know, for me, it's, uh, I think, and I think a lot of business owners feel this way. My business is an extension of me. It's very personal. And so, you know, I love our reviews. Um, we're, uh, I know I stalked you, of course, before okay. this and did see that you have all five star reviews. They're not all five stars, but well, o- over they, 10 years, they show, yeah. it's, it's a it, dominant. Yeah. You're unfortunately like we've got one client who never even got a price from us that gave us a one star review that I personally believe was a competitor. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, someone that never even got a price from us gave us a one star. But um, that being said, it's, you know, over a decade, thousands and thousands of clients from the North Carolina Department of Revenue all the way to a college student going to state. You know, we we just do our best to take care of people. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, we're accountable. And I'm all my clients, all of our clients have access to me, they get my cell phone. Um, So I think that I've always said we're not perfect, but we're accountable. uh, And we care. And that's a whole lot better than a lot of our competition. Mm-hmm. So I love Tom. Um, awesome. He is one of my favorite humans. Mm-hmm. I adore him. He was on the show, I don't know, maybe like 15 episodes ago. Okay. And we talked a lot about business partnerships because mm-hmm. obviously Mike and I are in a partnership. Um, we talk a lot about the ups and downs of what it feels like to be in it with someone else and you now have the experience of both. You were running iWatch by yourself, Mm -hmm. then you brought in a partner. Mm -hmm. So which do you like better? I mean, I, if you say you don't like being a partnership, Mm -hmm. I'll obviously hide this from him. No, I'll (laughs) tell you, I think there's actually two answers. First off, when you're in business with someone like a Tom Adams, you love it. Uh, But not all partners are great. And Tom's a, a world-class human being. The guy's a work, he's a machine. He works. He's highly ethical. He's a great dad. Uh, he, you know, he just doesn't lie to clients. You know, he, he's going to make a mistake just like I do, but he owns it and he works hard to, to make it better. Um, and uh, anytime you work with someone like that, you just, you're grateful. Uh, so for me, um, I, I would say I've liked having Tom on board uh, as one of the partners in the firm. And the second thing I'll say to that, it's really nice when you're, you know, like a lot of people say, oh, Mr. Brian, Mr. Positivity, this and that, you know, people that might know me from social media, this right. and that. And I, I always kind of laugh, like, you've never worked with me, <laughs> you know, and Tom really gets my worst, mm-hmm. um, but he's a big boy and he's, he allows me to vent. He allows me to bounce things off him or complain when I got that rare, you know, down moment or something like that. Uh, and I think we help each other like that. And so I would rather throw up on Tom and Tom throws up on me once in a while, but everybody else gets our best. And I think that that's, if I'm being really authentic, I think that's the number one thing I like about having 
somebody like that that's on your level, that's working hard, uh, and that just allows you to be you and, and, you know, you guys just vent and you keep going forward together stronger. That's a really good point. Um, having been in both seats, you know, I've done the solo practitioner thing. Mm -hmm. I've been kind of the second in the man, you know, um, at the helm of the ship of Hunter Row. So I've experienced that seat before right. and then being in a partnership with Mike. And when I was running Hunter Row, I had, you know, an owner who was brilliant when it came to sales, brilliant when it came to coming up with ideas. Um, but he also was brilliant enough to leave me alone and mm -hmm. just let me do my thing. Mm -hmm. And it was really lonely because there was no one else for me to turn to. Um, so I actually wound up getting a business coach because I needed somebody to talk to. I yeah. needed somebody to vent to. I and I couldn't go to my subordinates and say, hey, you know, blah, 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 blah. This person's being, you know, I can't talk about them to each other in a negative way. <laughs> in a negative way. Yeah. And um, so that was really one of those p times where um, it felt really lonely. Mm -hmm. And working with Mike, well, he talks all the time, so it's kind of hard to ever <laughs> feel lonely when you're working with True. him. But it's definitely a different dynamic. And, and bounce goals off each other, set goals together, be excited about things together. And, hold each uh, other accountable. Hold each other accountable is huge. And here's the other thing, and this takes time to develop. Uh, and, and I like to think Tom and I have this. I think we do. But I, I think Tom has every uh, – I, I don't think Tom would hesitate in a second to say, Brian, I don't like ABC, what you're doing. Oh, and, yeah. And the relationship, the relationship is there that if he says that to me, I'm going to pause and I'm going to consider it. And I, I may disagree with him, but I'm going to think about it long and hard because I respect his opinion. And he's, you know, people around us, they can see in us what we're missing. You know, someone flying by in a plane sees a house a lot differently than somebody inside the house. Mm -hmm. And that's where that accountability partner or business partner that that when I get feedback from somebody that's in close to me like that, I really take it to heart. Now, I may disagree with them and I, we may have conversations about it, but I always bank what they say. And it's it, it goes into the computer. You know, it's something I'm thinking about constantly. And I've had some tough conversations where six months down the line, that conversation comes up as something else is going on. And maybe my perspective changes a little bit because it's like, oh, I can kind of see a little bit more what they're saying now that this other bit of information has come in. Come. And it, it, I just ultimately, I just want to be the best Brian that I can for my family, for my clients, for anybody around me. Uh, that's my mission statement. I want to be the most positive, optimistic person anybody knows. And I created net worth of 10 million plus because of that. You know, I can rattle that off because I've said it 8,000 times. And to get to that mission statement, I have to be unbelievably open to people around me that are going to help me improve. I just realized I need a mission statement. We got to have them. Yeah. It's our, uh, you know, the first thing we do when we decide to go on vacation is what? Where do we want to go? You know, and that's that's ultimately what that is for me. It's where do I want to go when I'm laying on my deathbed? Uh, what do I want to have accomplished? What is the most overriding thing that I wanted to uh, accomplish with this life? And that's what it is. I want to be the most positive, optimistic person that anybody knows. And because I'm add so much value to other people, I create a net worth of 10 million plus, you know. And so that's where it's it's all encompassing. 
Um, and it takes people, you know, we gotta, we gotta have people around us to, to help us become a better us. We do. And people leverage is one of the things that I'd say most of my clients struggle with. Um, I, we work with a lot of small business owners that are looking to scale and they are just stuck. They, they, you know, coming up with processes, coming up with systems, letting go of your babies. I mean, it's hard enough to get a lead when you're in sales than to pass it off to somebody else that doesn't have the same commitment to it that you do because you've put your blood, sweat, and tears into it is really hard. So you have, um, at least outwardly, seem to have embraced and become fairly good at delegation. You know, it's funny you're bringing this up. This is probably one of my number one weaknesses. Really? And it has been in the past. And it's why it's why the company probably hasn't scaled because, you know, it's easy to be mama hen and want to sit on everything and control everything. And I think that, you know, not toot my own horn, but a lot of the reputation of the company is because of my complete accessibility and complete ownership and things like that. But if you're going to grow a company, if you're going to have any kind of a life, You've got to create, you already said systems and processes, the best book you could, I don't want to say ever read, that's a little uh, extreme probably, but the E-Myth, and I'm sure you, oh, you're aware yeah. that the E-Myth is- We talk about it all the time. You know, it's just systems and processes, and uh, I just have to, I've listened to that audiobook probably 10 times, um, and I could, I could probably read this stuff when he's saying it now, but- it's my weakness. So I have to constantly drill those things into me to let go and, uh, and really just trust that people are doing the right things. Um, and I'm not a very great at administration. So I have to bring in other people to help put those systems and processes into place. The, the other thing I'll say on that is in, in Gary V, I listen to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, he said something probably about a year ago. I was listening to something as I was working or working out or something. And he said, you know, all these business owners complain to me, you know, Gary, they don't do it like I do it. And he's like, no shit, Dick. They're not the business owner. And I was listening to that. And Gary V says, I'm not looking for A's or A pluses or A minuses. I'm just looking for a bunch of B's. Solid B's. Solid B's. Yeah. And it, it really, you know what? I mean, it's easy for me to expect everybody to do it my way but they're not me. They're not the, and not that I'm special. They're not the business owner. You know, they didn't work for free for years, you know, and yep. investing in the company. They don't have skin in the game like I do. So it really helped temper my expectation that, man, I'm just looking for bees. And that took a lot of pressure off me internally that probably helped people feel better around me as an owner because I wasn't so intense trying to get them to be A pluses. Because I'm humbly, I, I think I'm an A plus to my clients and our, our yeah. customers and stuff. But I'm a very intense personality when it comes to my business. Because coming back to that very initial thing, it's it's an extension of me. So if someone has a bad experience with my company, it makes me feel bad, like I did something 100%, wrong. Hundred percent, yes. And so you know, it's a balance of finding the right people, putting those systems and processes in place expecting them to be a B, having a system and in, in, in thing in place. Like, like clients now, we just started doing this. Like everybody's getting an email with a bunch of content about it. Um, and everybody's getting my cell phone number and, and different things like that, because I want clients to be able to reach out. 
if it's not an A plus experience, if it's not a five star experience, I want to know why. And is it the client's high maintenance and, and unreasonable? That happens, you know, uh, occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Um, is you're going to have your outliers. Sure. Is it uh, something that the tech did that maybe we need to look at our policy and procedure? Uh, is it something that needs further explanation to the client? Well, I can understand why you don't feel good about that. Let me tell you why that is. And But the fact that they may not still be happy, but the, t- the fact that the owner reached out and took time to address something and explain something in more detail, you know, they feel important and they feel cared for. Uh, and I think that's really important as a business owner that, you know, clients don't always have to have everything perfect. But if you let them know, I care about you and this happened and I'm on it and I'm going to do my best to make it right for you, most clients are reasonable. Super reasonable. Right. And, you know, I don't remember where I heard it, but, I mean, I feel that I've heard it so many times that sometimes a bad experience can actually be a positive, the, a positive because it shows how you handle, you know, adversity. Right. When um, I always think about when I went to, um, what's the Mediterranean restaurant right across from um Sassoul? lebanese restaurant no downtown on the same street as busy Bee. Ooh, we're gonna I have can't to, we're gonna have to come is. back to it okay. yeah brain, brain. anyways i went there um with a dinner party for somebody's birthday and it was terrible because we had a six top and the waitress had us and then had like a what felt like a hundred top i'm mm-hmm. sure it was probably like 10 or 15 people right but we had terrible service the meal that I ordered tasted literally like something that you'd pick up at Kmart and stick in the microwave. Right. It was horrible. And I embarrassed the hell out of all my friends by asking for the manager. Well, I wasn't doing it to be an asshole. I was doing it because I really wanted them to know that I'd heard amazing things about this restaurant, but I did not have that experience. Right. And I was feedback. really nice about it. Yeah. And he was mortified. He was like, I can't believe that, you know, you didn't like the food and that your service was so bad. So he made a really special to do for my friend's birthday. brought out a whole smattering of desserts Mm -hmm. and then brought me, um, all these dips to take home with bread and everything. And he was like, try these. I swear the food is good. Like these are my favorite items. And he sent me home with a shit ton of food. Right. And I keep thinking, and I've gone back there multiple times. I can't believe I can't think of the name of the place. It'll come to me like at 4 a.m. tonight sure. when yeah. <laughs> my brain's finally shutting off. But that cemented in there that, okay, yes, I had a bad experience, but he made it right. He went above and beyond. And every time I've gone back there since, it's been fantastic. Right. You know, uh, I just, something to tag onto that is that I love the word responsibility. Um, and as an owner or manager, or really, if you want to excel in life, any employee or any situation, we all have responsibility in the situation. And when you break down the word responsibility, it's the ability to choose our response. And so what one of the things that I've learned in life is that so many people react out of emotion versus choosing a response. And we all do it. We're all guilty of it. But you know, I really try to work on if something comes up uh, that's emotional, you know, rubbing me wrong or something, hold it back for a minute, understand, try to digest it. Why am I getting angry? Why, you know, really break it down. And, and ultimately, I want to choose an intelligent response here to get the best result possible 
in whatever circumstances it is. Um, so uh, I just love that word responsibility because it's uh, we all have responsibility, especially being self-employed. It is probably one of the things that makes us love it and also can drive us a little crazy because we are, as Scott was telling me last night, because I was feeling a little burned out and I was like, man, I just feel like I need like a day just to sit and think about my business. Um, because yeah, because it's been a lot of working, you know, you know, I've been just chugging away because I was out of town for 10 days, came back, you know, at the grindstone. So every once in a while you need a day to just think about what's mm-hmm. happening. Um, I was doing some training today and talking about the importance of pivoting and the importance of reviewing your plan and trying to shoot holes in it and figuring out where are your weak spots. You know, it's like if you have a fence, going back to my dear friend, Mr. Trump, if you have a fence, you need to figure out where your holes are. Mm -hmm. You need to know where your weak spots are. Um, And I think so many business owners and even sales professionals don't think about those things until they're happening. Mm -hmm. They don't try to envision what could happen. Therefore they're not prepared and it takes them longer to pivot when stuff like COVID happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's going to be the next COVID. There's going to be something else Mm -hmm. um, that happens in the economy. There's going to be another housing crisis. There's going to be another, um, you know, the stock market's going to crash, whatever it is, something else is going to happen. The only constant is change. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you're talking about a principle that's extremely important. It's it's seven habits, highly effective people. It's proactive versus reactive. You know, you can bank on something going wrong. If you plan on things happening that you don't anticipate, you're good. You know, it's just a matter of how big is it going to be? Right. You know, and, and it's I'm, it's hard to see COVID coming in a unprecedented lockdown of an entire economy. Uh, but we should all have money in the bank. We all know that we need six months of personal income. We yeah. all know this. Yep. Um, you know, but how many people do? Not many. Well, how many businesses have reserves? Even less. Right. Yeah. And, and it's the same principle as like, you know, I know if I did 100 sit ups every day, I'd have a better core and I would have better abs than I currently do. Um, but am I doing that? So there's, there's just a lot of things that we know. Uh, but if we're not implementing it, it's our psychology. We just have to, we have to take the time. And I think you, you nailed it. We have to take the time to work on our business versus in our business. The most frustrated that I get is when I'm spending too much time in my business. If I'm responding to a client that has a service call need versus working on my business, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm not operating at the 15,000 foot level and I'm street level, that's where it'll wear out on me. Um, but we all just have to make time for that. And if we don't, it's nobody's fault, but our own. And that has to be penciled in Mm -hmm. before that, like working out, like taking that needs to go on the calendar first. Mm -hmm. Um, otherwise it won't get done because all the other urgent things are going to waylay and just come, you know, squeeze it out. And then you keep procrastinating on it and don't get it done. It's one of the tenants that we work with our clients on is, okay, what's your business plan and how often are you reviewing it? And are you actually looking at it? And can you actually tell me what your goals are? Because most people set a goal and they're wondering why they're not on track to be a 10 millionaire 
<laughs> and it's because they they didn't look at it the rest of the year, right. so they wonder why they never achieved anything. It's the old saying: if you if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Yes, you know it's so true. It, it's a great point you bring it up, and I'm I'm still guilty of this: is I would never miss a sales call. So I just need to pencil it in, just like I would a sales call, because it's just as important. You know, working out. Uh, you know, eating right, drinking a bottle of water in the morning when you wake up. I thought up. you were going to say a bottle of wine. <laughs> oh, well, that too. That's the evening. Um, but uh, resveratrol, it's great for the body. But, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, those are great, great points for sure. And it's something that vacation time, time off, decompression time, all super important as mm -hmm. business owners. We don't do enough of it um, until it's too late. Or you're too and then smoked. you're, yep. Yeah. And then you're in the weeds and you can't even, but you know, I felt like it took me a good seven days of being away to finally, like, I physically was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, shit, now day 11's here and it's over. And I only had three days of vacation. It's true. And so if I had been a little bit more prepared or had, better timing of all my other or just mentally let it go sure because i was mentally holding on to everything that was still happening here in raleigh and maybe it's a sign and it's funny you said this because i literally just left a networking thing uh at sullivan's and i was telling a friend that because uh, i just coincidentally i left last wednesday to go on vacation and uh just got back uh, Monday afternoon, but I didn't really relax until Saturday or Sunday. And then I was flying back on Monday. And it's, it's, to me, that was an indication that I'm not, and again, this year's kind of been a weird year. So, you know, I'm giving myself a little grace here, but at the end of the day, it's, we need to make a little bit more time along the way. So we're not burning ourselves so hard mm -hmm. that when we finally take those five, six, seven days that we're so jacked up and wound up that it takes us three, four, five days to unwind. To unwind. That yeah. might be where we're, we're pushing ourselves too hard for the last three months. Um, that's kind of what I was thinking about on this recent trip is that I, it was awesome. I needed it. I don't really feel like I decompressed as much as I really wanted to. Well, and I knew, I knew that I wasn't feeling quite on or myself, but it wasn't until I was sitting around the campfire because we were camping, mm -hmm. which is a whole other podcast. Mm -hmm. And my sister-in-law said, Whitney and I are wondering why you're not being fun. Like what, what, what is going on? Like where basically she doesn't like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm back in Raleigh freaking trying to get crap under contract and stressing about my team right. and thinking about a million other things that I can't control. Yeah. And then finally it was like, oh, like a physical just release of, okay, you know what? Some of those things I can't control. And most of them, the team is better at taking care of than I am anyway. So why the hell am I so stressed about it? Right. But it, it gave me good food for thought for when I go on my next trip that I want to purposely get to that point sooner so I can actually enjoy the whole thing. One delegate ahead of time. And, mm -hmm. and like this trip, when I went out of town, it was like, Tom, you know, man, this, this baby's yours. Roll I'm, with I'm it. going to be largely unavailable. You know, if it's an emergency, call me. I'm going to do my best not to reply to many emails. And I, I took probably half an hour to an hour in the morning to get some work done uh, each day. And then I just, when, a, when about my day, 
technically that might not be a vacation for some people, but that's a that's massive a va- vacation, that's a vacation for me. For me. <laughs> right. It's not a 12, 14 hour days of responding to stuff. So, uh, it's a, it's a great point. We got to, you know, I found over the years that I can work 50 hours a week or 55 hours a week and get more accomplished if I'm vacationing and taking time off than if I work 70 hours a week and don't do those things. And so you can actually work more and accomplish less and be less, not as happy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this year's kind of a one-off, I guess. Uh, we're all just kind of scrambling trying to figure <laughs> out what the hell we're going to do. Uh, it's just uh, unprecedented. So, you know, I think we give ourselves a little bit of grace for this year, but you know, you, you're always going to miss the, you're almost, almost always going to miss the target that you're not shooting for. So we can come up with reasons why we're not doing something. There's no reason not to shoot for it. And there's no reason not to game plan for that optimum scenario. Uh, you know, if you go in a dark room and start shooting something, you, you're probably not going to hit the target. So you got to know, we got to know what we're shooting for. We got to constantly develop a plan, review the plan, keep working the plan. And you know what? Maybe we don't hit the bullseye, but maybe we get 90% of the way there and our life is pretty freaking awesome. And and that is okay. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't do the planning because they're afraid of failing, mm-hmm. which you're going to fail anyways because if you're not pushing yourselves, you already you're already failed. Yeah. So there's no harm in putting right. a plan together. And most of our clients' business plans change throughout the year because things happen or we realize that something that they were focusing on isn't the right thing that they should be focusing on. But you wouldn't know unless you started doing it and keeping track of it. And I don't know if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, but I'm the numbers junkie. I think that tracking everything is very, very important. It makes sense. So if you're not tracking things, then you have no way of knowing statistically how you're doing. Mm And that drives me crazy because, yes, you can have, you can tell me how you feel about something, but how you feel about something is pales in comparison to what I can actually measure. Right. The data. Yeah. And, uh, well, there's a lot of conversations that could go into how you feel versus data. We won't go there, though. There's there's all kinds of conversations. <laughs> but That's a whole you, other podcast yeah, topic. But, but you can, you, you got to know your data, you know, because uh, we're all guilty of having a skewed emotion about something. And then when you look at that, for example, you can be afraid of clowns. Does the data support it? We can be afraid of sharks getting bit by a shark in the water. Now, I'll tell you, I'm not going in the ocean, generally speaking, um, for a number of reasons, unless I'm scuba diving or stuff. But I'm not afraid of getting bit by a shark. It's just, it's it's not worth the risk for me. But, you know, when you look at the data, how many people get in the water and how many people actually get attacked by a shark, it's in completely insignificant data. You can be petrified of a shark, though, right. and it's the same thing. Uh, you know, you might be more likely to get hit by a car uh, or get tuberculosis or, you know, I mean, 250,000 people a year die from medical accidents. Yeah. 250,000 people a year. Are we afraid of it? No, because it's not in our face constantly. So it's well, just. Well, and it's not as scary as a giant fish with. Yeah. Sharks are scary, man. <laughs> <laughs> sharks are damn scary. You know, so I get it. And, uh, you know, but it's, it's. To your point is that the data, you can feel great about your company and the data might be telling you something else, or you can feel terrible about where you are with your company 
And the data might be like, hey, you're growing. You're growing. You're yeah. doing fantastic. Right. So mm-hmm. it's so important. And when I'm looking at the data, I'm looking at a bunch of different things in, in addition to the subje- subjective. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you do want to know how you feel about something. But it is so important to actually know so you can compare and contrast and um, see, you know, the ratios over time because mm-hmm. it's it's crazy to me because I've been keeping track of um, you know the sales data for Hunter Row for years and now I can see it's just you look back and I can tell when people went on vacation I can tell you know I can see the points see in it. time and you're like well here and then that's how you learn what not to do next time or wow here's this huge peak in productivity what the hell was I doing in that four months because I want to do that again right. Prior to the, prior to that peak, right, right, and uh, it's cause and effect. You know, if we don't like things, if we don't like circumstances, we're we're a large part of that cause. You know, coming back to the personal responsibility we were talking about last time. So if if you don't like something in your business or your job or whatever situation you're in, you're a big part of that. So you came super prepared today with a bunch of notes and I keep peeking over there. (laughs) And one of the things that Mike gets driven crazy about on this podcast was Mm -hmm. when I would try to sneak his notes. Okay. You can't read my writing. No, I definitely can't. I can see (laughs) 3.5 times a day. 3.5. I don't know what that means. One of our topics here and you know, we've got about five to seven minutes left. So let's, let's roll with it. So real quick, we'll, we'll jump into this. Um, and we'd probably have to do another podcast for this, but one of the things, if you're self-employed or getting into sales, I always tell people this, there's two different things you have to do. You have to learn to hunt because you got to eat today. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to learn how to farm. So you don't have to hunt your whole life. So you, you learn to hunt number one, that way you can generate revenue for yourself and your family today. But you start learning how to farm that way uh, as you're farming, you start producing a harvest long term. So you start farming after you learn to hunt farming. There's a way building your brand, for example, and I'll just use a personal example. A security company's uh, CEO came out and said something recently via email, and it was a really kind of taken very well. It was not taken very well. And it was, you know, ultimately, I, I know the guy. I actually think pretty highly of the guy. Um, from what I've seen, but I think it was something that was probably delivered really bad. Um, and I'm, I'm sure he regrets it. Long story short, the point is the point that I'm making is this, you know, I've been in the industry 22 years. I watched security is 10 years old. Uh, I've been building a brand for a long time, the networking, the reviews online, all the different things that we've been doing. And so when something happens from another competitor, Um, All of a sudden, we got bombarded with phone calls with people that wanted to switch over to us. And that was that was us farming all of those years. And all of a sudden, something happened to where we got an influx of call and we probably picked up 20 or 30 clients out of that little uh, change. And we got a lot of other people that wanted to, but they're under contract and things like that. So we got really busy there for a while. You know, that's part of what every sales professional, business owner, realtor, whatever your background is, is you're out there planting seeds and you're building a brand every day. And you want to make sure that it's a positive brand. You want to make sure that, uh, one of my favorite sayings, I don't know if I've ever done this. What do you clean yours with? Q-tips. You don't. But everybody says Q-tips. People clean their ears with cotton swabs. 
Q-Tips is the brand. Oh, like Kleenex. Yeah, Yeah. Kleenex, Coke, Pepsi, you know, whatever. There's a lot of, there's a lot of companies that have built a great brand like that. And that's one of my favorite sayings, but over time you build that brand to where you're the name that rolls off and that's the goal. Uh, and it takes time to develop that. You, you just don't do that overnight. Uh, but in we were talking about that earlier, when you have people that just expect to jump from A to B, yeah. and Let they don't happen. see all of the trials and tribulations that were put in before you got to that level of success. Right. It's easy to look at someone that's been doing something 22 years and, you know, say, well, you know, you want that. Well, of course we all do. You know, where were you when there were no customers, you know, somewhere, somewhere was the first iWatch security customer, right? You know, and there was no website at the time, you know, I had no, I think I had ordered the yard signs at that point, but you know, yard signs and stickers, $4,000 to get that first order off the ground, you know, just something so small that you don't even think about. And of course I had to pay someone to develop the logo. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these things that go into that, but jumping back into marketing, because I want to add value here is that, so we talked about hunting, we talked about farming. And the thing is when you're a sales professional or small business owner, you don't have the money to do things. Uh, when I first started a company, we compete against billion-dollar companies, ADT, CPI, Time Warner, Brinks, all these massive, massive companies, AT&T, these, all these national companies. How do you become a big brand? And that's, that's the context, and it's similar to realtors. You know, if there's 8,000 mm-hmm. licensed realtors, how do you become the realtor that people go? How do I become the security c- company? And, and part of that is a wide range of things. And the number one thing I would say is you have to be different. You're the brand. It starts with us. Uh, That's the number one thing I would say. Second thing I would say is add value. Find ways to add value to other people. And I had a a meeting with a realtor the other day. I was telling them just a, a tip for realtors. If I was a realtor, what I would be doing, I could even do this as a security guy. Has nothing to do with any business person can do this. It would be great if I go downtown. Hey, this is Brian. I'm out here with, uh, I'm out here in downtown Raleigh, this and that. The topic of what I want to talk about today is three things that uh, a stay at home mom or a parent can do that to take your kids to doesn't cost you any money and give them some ideas. You got this great museum off of Lake Boone Trail and this and that, blah, 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 this and the Rodan and all this. Like, do a video about that. And what happens is you keep putting out content like that. And then people over a while start, oh, that's Trinity. She's always got these great ideas Ideas. that I never heard about. And maybe it's these three great trails and it's me shooting a video. I'm out here at the top of Pilot Mountain. Look at how awesome it was, you know, and this, like, it doesn't cost any money to do that. That is a way you differentiate yourself from, if it's me, there's ADT, the, you know, the largest security company in the world. And then there's Brian. And over time, I just want my name in the hat. So if I'm creating content out there and I'm adding value to other people, go ahead and shop ADT. We're going to crush them. But I just want my name in the hat. As a business owner, you've got to find ways to add value to other people. And what that does is it creates a positive impression about you. Well, and it it goes back to character and competency, two things that I talk Mm -hmm. about very frequently. And 
you need to have a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways, especially if you're a newer business owner, to build competency is to be seen doing things well in other avenues, other because I can't just go out and show someone how I sell a house. Mm-hmm. It's a sometimes seven, eight month long process that somebody's gonna go through with me. Right. But if I'm putting together a really solid networking event that people are loving coming to and there's great content provided mm-hmm. and it has great reviews and everybody's like, wow, that is building competency of me as a person and my organizational skills, even if it's not necessarily me selling real estate. Right. So it goes right back to your point. You can create some amazing content mm-hmm. and it doesn't cost you anything. And right. it's showing character and competency in a way that allows you to do something because you can't go just like <clears throat> stick an alarm on everybody's house. Right. It, which I have, I watch security by yeah, the way. Yeah, and you're awesome client. Thank <laughs> you so much. A uh, great referral partner, by the way, as yep. well. The other thing I'll say, what what time? We got about two we're, minutes. We're, we're good. All yeah, right. we've got. A couple minutes here. Yeah. Being the little guy, new person in the industry, uh, to compete with these companies that do have big marketing budgets and they are sponsoring the hurricanes and they are doing all this stuff, you know, and I've dealt with that for years going with our competition. You know, social media has created such an awesome avenue to be able to reach so many people. I've met some really great people from social media that I never probably would have met otherwise uh, that are friends of friends of friends kind of thing. And you connect and, you know, they're creating some content. I'm creating content. They're liking stuff. All of a sudden there's this, I'm inviting them to a Halloween party I'm doing or something like that. And all of a sudden it's like, and this is one of the, this is one of my favorite couples, you know, Nick and Greta Nance. I might've never met that couple. And they're, they're just one of the most amazing couples. Uh, and they've turned into clients and referral partners and he does my homeowners now and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, coming back to the topic, social media, the other thing that you have to do, uh, and this is my opinion, this is kind of my formula. There's basically a five-step formula that I like with social media. It's don't spend more than 20% of your social media content on you professionally. You know, I might talk security in 10 to 20% of my content um, because, and uh, I don't want to pick on anybody, but I'm just going to, I like Rodan and Fields. I've used it before, so I'm not picking on anybody. But if someone's out there like a Rodan and Fields consultant, and or any other multi or any other of that marketing, or, yeah. or real estate or mm-hmm. security. Or, oh, real like, estate agents are the worst. Like if it's just constant bombarding constant. of your product and service, yeah. people tune you out. And so, you know, if I do a video, it's me promoting a restaurant that I love. If I do a video of coming home and there's a, a deer with a, you know, in my yard. There's all kinds of stuff that you can do. I loved your little, um, what, places you wanted to travel. Oh, the bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, it, and I actually looked forward to it. I was like, where does he want to go next? <laughs> and you, you know what the driver in that was? Is from spending time on social media. And obviously 2020 has been a total shit show. But spending time on social media really wasn't even pleasurable. It's coronavirus, it's politics, it's the riots, uh. it's the race war, it's it's all this kind of negative, toxic stuff. And unfortunately, not really the best in, in humanity, you know, and, and re- the realistic thing is like 99% of the people that I know are really happy, good people, and we can agree to disagree. Like, for example, I hate mushrooms. I think they're disgusting and they're fungus. You know, you may love mushrooms. I'm okay. I with, do. I'm yeah. okay. I'm okay with that. We're still friends. Right. We're still <laughs> going to be friends. And, and I've got 
flaming liberals as clients and I've got people beating their head about, you know, beating their chest about Trump. It doesn't matter to me. I just, I care about people and I want to serve people. So where was I going with that? I'm off track here. Um, Tangent hole. Yeah, that was good stuff. Um, That was good stuff. We might have to do another podcast, but creating content uh, that is diverse. Yes. And the bucket list. That's that's oh, what I was talking list. about. Yeah. So originally what why I came up with the bucket list is because I would get on there and there's all this negative toxic stuff. And so going back to my mission statement, how can I be a positive in this situation? Let me talk about something positive and fun. And it doesn't mean I don't care about important topics. I'm just trying to put some good vibes out there. And uh, because in my mindset, that's what is needed from what I'm seeing. You know, so ultimately, I think if we just try to, to be a, a blessing to others and we, we care about our fellow human and we try to add value to other people, I think if you, you have that mindset and you want to serve other people, uh, I think that's important uh, and you want to create that type of content. Well, I yep. love your content. Yep. I've enjoyed this time with you thoroughly. Brian, if Thank people you. wanted to get a hold of you or if they're interested in learning more about iWatch Security or becoming a client of yours, how could they get a hold of you? You know, iWatch Security, we're, we're, uh, we're all over the internet. Uh, we're one of the first ones that'll pop up organically. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, I mean, you name it, uh, iWatch Security. And uh, we're just excited to, to help people make an intelligent buying decision. And there's, there's some times where we meet with someone uh, and they're with a company. We look at what they're trying to do and this and that. We'll tell them, like, it doesn't really make sense to switch. You got a good company. Uh, you got a good monitoring rate. Uh, if something goes wrong or they drop the ball on service, let us know. But if I was in your shoes, I wouldn't spend the money to do this stuff. And, and we have clients that will call up. I want to do this. I want to add cameras. And we want to do all this. And we'll just ask questions. Well, what are you trying to accomplish with that? I, I think we're one of the few companies that will talk people out of buying stuff. I really do. Uh, but Which I think that that's because long-term. you're client-centric. Yes. Right. Because that's the long-term game plan, not the quick money grab. Right. It's yeah. the right thing. If I treat everybody like my grandmother, mm-hmm. uh, I think that'll play out for us long-term. Good. Well, if you want to find Brian, it's I Watch Security with the letter I. Awesome. Not yep. the eyeball. That's right. And if you want to find us, Wired to Change, we are all over the interwebs. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can email me. I will respond, I promise. Info at wiretochange.com with the number two. And Brian, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, And I'm looking forward to, you'll definitely be back on the show again. Awesome, I'm excited. And thank you very much. We'll see you guys next time on the Wire to Change podcast.